a lot of the metrics that we were once used to now have different definitions. So it's not like you're able to move from one platform to the other and compare apples with apples. You can't compare a session in UA and a session on J4 because it means two completely different things. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. I'm here today with Sachin Raja. Sach, welcome to the pod. Thanks, James. Good to be here. I do not know how you've managed to evade it, escape it for so long. We're laughing before the pod. Sach has been at Rocket since the very beginning. He's the head of client services. He knows, I think you know much more about digital marketing than I do. And you've managed to hide away from being on the pod. How come? I haven't managed to hide from the pod. You just got to, I've just been waiting for you to ask me to join. <laughs> I've been waiting patiently. It's not It's not you, it's me. Um, so we're going to talk all things Google Analytics for today, which I, I think it's a bit of a double-edged topic. We hear of analytics, we're marketers, we've probably done to death, universal to GA4, you've got to get it done, it's important, all those types of things. We really don't want this to be like a deep and dense, boring conversation about GA4. I think we're talking about it before the pod and we just want to update marketers out there as to, I guess, what we're seeing. Kind of most, well, all of our clients, but most businesses now are relying on GA4, not on Universal. There's, there was some teething pains, I'm sure, for, for listeners out there. So I guess just macro where we're at, things to be aware of. We'll promise you out there in the audience, we're not going to bore you too much about analytics and data. But I guess that's just broadly, why the move? Like, I don't want us to go too much into... Universal versus GA4, like that's where we are now. But why, why did Google kind of force us all to move into a new version of analytics? One of the biggest things is privacy, as we all know. And it has been a big concern in the wide industry in relation to how data is tracked and also kept and retained. So in moving from UA to GA4, it was just really necessary for Google to, in order to satisfy those technological and reg regulatory demands, they yeah. had to move from UA to GA4. Yeah, I guess... How are you feeling about it and how are clients feeling about it? Are we, are we um, kind of looking back going, I wish we had access to other stuff. Are we going, this is awesome. This is better than ever before. We're finally starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Initially, when we did make that move, it was quite difficult at first because a lot of the metrics that we were once used to now have different definitions. So it's not like you're able to move from one platform to the other and compare apples with apples. Yeah. An example, and we'll probably jump into later in the pod, you can't compare a session in UA and a session on J4 because it means two completely different things. Which I think is the big part of adoption, isn't it? It probably took me a while to get my head around it as well. Like literally, you, you can't compare the same metric anymore. The tectonic plates have been moved um, underneath our feet. Google's always doing this to us, aren't they? Yeah, it's funny. But so I guess key features, like what other key features of GA4 compared to Universal? There's quite a few things that, that Google has changed in moving to GA4. The first thing and the, the most important, like I mentioned before, was privacy. Privacy is at its core in GA4. In UA, you are able to track user IDs. Moving across into GA4, that's now shielded. You're not able to see those specific user IDs and track specific user engagements. That's the first thing. The next thing is cross-platform tracking. If you're an organization who uses mobile applications as well as websites, the good thing about GA4 is that now you can have all that data in one place and seamlessly measure users' journey across the different devices and applications. Yeah, okay. Any other kind of key features that are different for clients? In terms of features that are different for clients, you're looking at things like metric changes. So users, sessions, page views, bounce rates, 
work a little bit differently in GA4 compared to UA. So there is a little bit of an initial knowledge kind of gap between the two that you need to kind of work through. And that's, I guess, what I really wanted to to get into. My perception is that some marketers are struggling or struggling to kind of sell back into the business or struggling to understand themselves like the comparison between metrics like there's a there's a clear discrepancy between something used to be you know one and now it's one x you know something used to be a hundred thousand a month and now it's hundred and fifty thousand why the discrepancy yeah so if you look at the different metrics they like i mentioned before they've got different different meanings when you move across into ga4 so let's go through i'll go through an example of users yeah so users in universal analytics you had total users and new users. And we, we all know the definitions of these, but the primary metric in universal analytics was total users, which is quite straightforward. But when you move across into GA4, yes, we still have total users and new users, but where it really starts to get confusing is the new metric they introduced called active users. Mm-hmm. Now, not only is this new, they've made this the primary metric for users. So an active user is actually someone who has an engaged session. And what that means is they've stayed on the page for more than 10 seconds. They could have engaged with your site by clicking or scrolling or viewed more than two pages. So if you take that into consideration, an active user is very different to what a user is defined as in Universal Analytics. So Universal Analytics, a user is simply someone visiting. Yep. The label in GA4 of a user is still a user, but it's yeah. actually defined as an active user. That's and, correct. And the threshold for being an active user is a higher standard. So it is, what is it, Satch? It's a couple of seconds. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's staying on the page for more than 10 seconds, engaging with the website or viewing more than two pages. So basically, if, if everything remained true, you, if you're presuming you cut across July 1, if your traffic was the same in June and July, you would naturally receive likely have a reduction in users from june to july even though nothing had to change on your actual website it's simply the way that google defines a user has dramatically changed that's correct across the basket of clients that we manage would the vast bulk have the number of users decreasing therefore yeah and that's what we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing reductions in users when we moved across from in june into july uh comparing month-on-month data we are seeing those reductions in, in users when you're looking at the two different data sources. And has that been problematic? Like are their clients kind of going, hey, Rocket, you're doing a crap job because you know we've had this massive drop-off between June and July? Um, it kind of varies. I mean, here at Rocket, we've done our best to educate our clients on the differences of these metrics. So we're able to preface that a little bit better. But in for some clients, they are quite concerned because you know, perhaps higher up management also do not have this kind of deep understanding of the differences yeah. that can cause issues internally. Yeah. Any advice for how to try to explain that or sell that into the business? Yeah, I think initially what you can do simply is still continue to report on total users in GA4 if you'd like to, whilst you're in that transition phase of educating your internal team about the differences. So how, so how do you actually do it? What you can do is you can add total users as a separate metric in GA4. Okay. Um, but you definitely do want to educate your internal teams on the differences, what the new metric means, what active users means, so that you can eventually migrate across into the new metric. Yeah, I think that's pretty wise feedback, right? Yeah, as with all these things, I think leaning in, like Google's not going to roll back where it's at, right? So I think moving forward, 
with the labeling, with the product, with the, the tech as Google has kind of built it and will continue to roll it out. I think you're going to find you, you'll run into issues if you're trying to hold on to, you know, mm. what, what used to be true in the past. What are the other um, kind of key metric changes? Like we've talked users, but what about things like page views, sessions, bounce rates? I know that a lot of them were metrics which were a cause of concern from between one and the other. Page views, Google's kind of been somewhat kind to us for this one. It's much more straightforward than users. Page views are pretty much exactly the same, but we do not have unique page views in GA4. That is the only difference. Yeah, right. Has that impacted certain clients more than others? In terms of page views, not necessarily because it's not a widely used metric. Yeah, I do find that most marketers are referring to your sessions or your users over page views. Yeah, fair, fair call. Yeah, and then what about sessions and, and bounce rates? Yeah, so with, with sessions, okay, so both UA and GA4 track sessions. Um, however, the way in which they define and calculate sessions are different from one another, unfortunately, which is why your UA and GA4 session data may not match, but it is going to be very similar. Okay. So looking at some of the differences, so both when you have a session on UA and GA4, both time out after 30 minutes. In Universal Analytics, the session will expire at midnight, Whereas in GA4, that session does not expire. And then finally, if a user opens a new window and navigates to your website through anything other than a direct visit at the same time as an existing session, you know that Anniversal Analytics will calculate that as two sessions, but GA4 will only calculate that as, as one session. So what this means is that session count could actually be lower in GA4. Yeah, right. Because once again, because I guess one of the, the core things with GA4 has been that stitching together, kind of using AI to try to connect one user doing one thing. And even if it's kind of across a different time period or whatever else, trying to connect it as this path to purchase, right? So they're kind of not wanting to arbitrarily make things one, two, three, four sessions, two, three, four sessions when in actual fact it's one. Have you seen that having a material impact on clients' analytics and reporting? So with sessions, not too much. So we've been fortunate with sessions that it's not too much of a difference, too much of a stark difference between the two platforms. So it hasn't necessarily impacted us all that much. Yeah. So I think the the user one is a big one. What other metrics are you finding there is kind of a discrepancy or difference with how GA4 relates to the data versus universal? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, and it's probably the biggest area of concern as well for a lot of marketers is conversions. Moving across from Universal Analytics to GA4, one of the biggest changes was in attribution. So GA4 has in, implemented and introduced new attribution models that is more geared towards data-driven models mm -hmm. to UA defaulting to last direct-click attribution. Yeah, right. So with using two different attribution models, your conversion counts are going to be very different. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we've faced here at Rocketing with our clients is marrying up that data and then educating our clients on why those numbers are different and what can we do about it. And what are you finding? Like, is it a complete mixed bag? Like it's... It, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really interesting maybe, yeah, like some examples of clients without actually naming names as to the types of yeah. things we're finding. Yep. So it is a complete mixed bag because it really depends on what your user journey is like. So for instance... If you have a user journey that is relatively short and they come through organic and convert to one channel, it's not going to be as much of a discrepancy. 
if your user journey is quite complex and you've got multiple touch points, multiple devices, that's when you're going to start to see a larger discrepancy. And that just makes logical sense. If you've got more steps in the journey, Google has more channels to allocate points to. Whereas if it's just one channel, then it's more simple. One channel gets all the points. Are you seeing certain channels that might once have been probably underappreciated being kind of now taken, being seen as playing a more significant role in those, particularly in those more complex paths to purchase? Yeah, for sure. In, in moving across to, to data-driven attribution, we are starting to see more of those kind of first and mid uh, touch points getting more conversion points than your kind of last and what, are, and what are they? I know it'll jump around heaps depending on the client, but are we seeing things like social playing being upweighted a bit or is it? And, and see, this is where your more top of funnel activity will start to see more conversion points applied to, to those channels. So if you're running, you know, social ads or you're running display campaigns, programmatic and so forth, and you've got a lot of traffic coming through those channels, but not necessarily converting on that particular user journey, then we're starting to see more points applied to those earlier interactions. Yeah, right. Interesting. And then just quickly, for listeners that aren't familiar with it, if you could just explain data-driven attribution and kind of what it means. So data-driven attribution is how Google assigns credit for conversions to different channels based on the impact in a customer's journey on your website. So as an example, Google will leverage its AI capability to understand deeper behavioral insights and metrics to upweight certain user interactions via a channel. So as an example, let's say my first interaction came through from a social ad and I've spent a lot of time on, on your website. I visited multiple pages, but then I came back again through organic. It was just one visit and I bounced. Then I came back through paid and converted. In that particular scenario, my first interaction through, through social is going to get a lot more of the weighting because there are deeper behavioral insights there. I spent a lot more time. Um, in comparison to that middle visit, which is not going to get as much weighting in a data-driven model, it picks up on all these signals and it does a better job at weighting where the points should go through based on the user's journey. And do you feel that it is arming you as a as a marketer and helping our clients get better results? Or like, do you think it favors kind of Google-owned channels? Do you think it, and obviously attribution is, it's impossible to to be perfect, right, in this kind of stuff as much as we wish everything was measurable. But do you feel that we're having a better, more realistic job done now than we did 12 months ago and five years ago? Or do you feel that it's more nuanced and more complex and we're all throwing our hands in the air going, you know, I know half of it's working, I just don't know which half. Like where would you sit with that? Yeah, I think we're definitely doing a better job here in terms of factoring in which channels are playing an integral role in bringing a customer along the journey. If you look at 12 months ago or two years ago, a lot of the the models that a lot of marketers used have been last direct click, yeah. lost last non-direct click. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then naturally looking at those channels and allocating media budgets accordingly, but not necessarily taking into consideration how a user came to know about their brand. Yeah, yeah, that's it. All attribution models have huge failings and huge gaps but none more so than last click right yeah <laughs> that's the one thing that's the one thing we can tell for sure i've got some rapid fire questions for you satch the first one is what are the top three questions you're getting from clients about this topic it's understanding metrics and what they mean mm -hmm. it's understanding the different attribution models mm -hmm. and understanding how best to utilize the new reports available in gfo 
Yeah, cool. I think we've we've talked about the first two. So maybe that third one, like what are we advocating at Rocket in terms of best using new reports? What we like to do here at Rocket is customize the reports. So we typically don't like to use just out of the box reports that are provided in GA4. So we will create custom Google Ads reports. So for an example, if you're an e-commerce business, we would add things like average order value to the report. We'd add return on ad spend to the report and a host of other different metrics that we need. But it's very, very customizable GA4. And that's kind of one area that's a huge leg up in comparison to Universal Analytics. So you really want to leverage the new reporting functionality. Nice one. Can you compare year-on-year data in GA4? Yes, you can. There is a caveat to that, though. It depends on how early you jumped on the bandwagon and implemented GA4. Mm -hmm. As an example, let's just say you're comparing September 2023 versus September 2022. You can only compare that year-on-year data if you had GA4 set up yeah. prior to September 2022. Yeah. Without saying we told you so, that was very much something we're pushing so hard, right, internally, getting all clients onto GA4 for July 1 last year rather than kind of waiting for that reason. Uh, kind of definitely new clients we picked up in the interim. It is such a pain not being able to have that that comparative data. Yeah, and th- that's that's right. So if, if you don't have that year-on-year data in GA4, those are the scenarios where you are having to compare UA data from last year with GA4 data this year. So then you're not seeing a like-for-like comparison. Your sessions, your users, your conversion metrics are just not the same as what it was in UA. Yeah, that's exactly right. Anything that marketers should be doing with old Universal, sorry? Yeah, so Google has extended the period in which that data will be available to mid-next year. So after, I think, June 30th, 2024, the data will no longer be available. But what you can do is you can export that data using BigQuery to your own internal database. What's it called? Big BigQuery? Yeah. BigQuery. Yeah, nice. That's good. Anything that we can't do in GA4 that we could in Universal? First and foremost, what we just mentioned, tracking historical data pre your GA4 implementation. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is GA4 does lack the ability to roll up data across multiple websites Mm -hmm. Uh, because in universal analytics you could merge data through the different properties that you have set up but in j4 it operates a little bit differently because it's on a property-based model that means for each website or subdomain it requires a separate property which does make it a little bit more challenging than to consolidate that data if you want to do a more comprehensive analysis yeah right anything else anything else things that uh, clients are struggling with misconceptions about ga4 anything else that you're finding marketers out there should know about the biggest, the biggest one for me is your understanding your attribution model and, and testing different models to see what makes sense for your business. GA4 has introduced a few new attribution models, and it's very important that very early on you decide which attribution model is best and you stick to it to, to remain consistent with tracking your data. So what options do, do we have in terms of the different models? It gets quite technical, this one here. Yeah. Um, Come on, let's do it. Let's. We promised we wouldn't. Let's go a little bit technical. Like, just yeah, just broadly speaking, like just so that for the benefit of listeners that might not be aware, like what are the options? Um, so you do have dud driven. You've got first click, which is the usual one that you had in UA. But there's a couple of new additions that GA4 has introduced, which is non-paid and paid attribution models, where it does give different weighting to paid and non-paid channels. So how does that work? So if non-paid attribution means that I am downweighting anything that is paid or the opposite? 
Yeah, you're down, you're downloading anything that is that is paid. Yeah, right. And why would I want to do it? It really depends on your current marketing circumstances. So if you're in a situation where you're investing heavily in SEO and you really want to see the benefit of what you're doing, GA4 is naturally going to give more weighting to those interactions that come through from organic. Yeah. So it's, it's more clearer. You can't just chop and change between them? You can chop and change, but then your data is going to change from that point in time in which you make yeah. the change, which is why you really want to be consistent with the attribution model that you pick. And would you be saying that for the vast bulk of clients, it is just data-driven? For the vast, vast bulk, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's data-driven. Yeah. So basically make sure you, that's what you're operating on and then kind of work from that as your basis. Yeah. Nice one, mate. Well, thanks for coming onto the pod. I think there's definitely some good stuff there. I think for any marketer that uh, presuming you got GA4 configured, but you might be struggling a little bit either to make sense of the changes or to kind of communicate the effect of the change in, internally. I'm going to ask of you what I ask of all guests. What is the best piece of career advice that you would give to a marketer? For me, I'm going to relate this back to my own personal experience, especially when I started at Rocket. Um, I think the one thing that's helped me progress with my career is always just being curious and staying up to date. We all know how fast-paced this environment is. I mean, look at GA4 with all these new features and definitions and making sure you're on top of, of, of all new platform changes. Um, it's it's so, so important to ensure you stay up to date. It's a great point. And yeah, curiosity is definitely something that we hire on, right? Like in, we've kind of got it as a, a subtle behind the scene kind of checkbox in the interview process and the best staff we we hire and have hired have that kind of trait. It's funny you say it because when you were talking, I was actually thinking it's incredible how much Satch has learned about GA4 and I presume, like how did you go about it? I presume a lot of this would have been self-taught, right? You're off reading blogs and... Yeah, um, so as with a lot of things, it's it's self-taught, it's, it's reading a lot of blogs doing my own research, but I also do spend a fair bit of time just navigating the tool by myself and coming to terms with how to navigate the, the tool on my own. Good one. I liked uh, I liked that as a piece of career advice. I think it's bang on. Um, well, Satch, thanks for coming on the pod. I hope you uh, will come back sooner than ignoring me for the last 18 months. We'll get you on. I think you've got a lot of knowledge to share. I will be back. <laughs> thanks, Satch. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.